Hello and welcome to Date Your Ego, Marry Your Soul podcast. I'm your host, Serafina, and I am an ego and soul enthusiast. We can no longer be strangers to our egos and how they function. So come and join me as we find out why and how this philosophy of dating your ego but marrying your soul is true and useful for you. One of the subjects close to my heart is that of ego traps. I find when I'm consciously aware of my ego and its various traps, I'm able to stay more in control of my own happiness. I'm more in my flow. What can I say? Life is happier. Anyway, one of these traps for me is the parent trap. Something we all can get caught up in, both as parents and as children. Now, the world of parenting opens up so many new roles for us. The biggest one being that of a carer, provider, and nourisher. While this can bring out the best in us, it can also force us to become close comrades with anxiety, worry, and exhaustion. To have a discussion around the matter, I have with me today Holly Holden, an interfaith minister here in London, England, and an expert in conscious parenting. Well, hello, Holly, and uh, welcome to our show. It's a real pleasure to have you. How are you today? I'm really well. Thank you, Serafina. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Holly, I first heard about you through a workshop on Facebook titled uh, Parenting as a Spiritual Path. Could you tell me a bit more about the workshop and use that to tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, so, I mean, I think um, I would say really that the title um, says it all because about, you know, about where I'm at with parenting, which is that, you know, when I first became a parent, I... I think I, I think I saw parenting as lots of things. So I think I saw it as something I had to get right. I think I saw it as some way that I could compensate for the things that my, that maybe I'd felt were lacking in my own childhood. Um, I looked around and I saw that people thought that parenting was a really hard job um, to sort of get done. Um, I saw it that people thought that it was something where you were supposed to mold people into well-behaved certain orientated people. And I really, um, as I deepened into my parenting journey, as I went along, I really deeply, deeply got that parenting is actually a profound invitation to really deepen our spirituality. And this came to me because many people would say, I would, I would, you know, I was into my spiritual teachings. I would listen to people and, and I heard a couple of people say, well, you know, obviously if you have children, if you become a parent, if you create a family, that will take you away from your deepest spiritual truth. People were saying, because, you know, you need to be in silence for two hours a day. You need to be um, doing all these things and going to ashrams and whatever. And I remember thinking, hey, this cannot be right that I'm about to go onto a journey for like basically my whole life, let's face it, you know. Um, but, but essentially those really early years, thinking that I have to somehow put my spiritual life on hold while I parent, but that didn't feel right to me. And so I began to really look into 
how to integrate my parenting journey with my spiritual life. And I think, you know, from speaking to you earlier, Serafina, that this is what, where you're interested in, you know, like where, where the, where the two really meet and combine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what I realized was that as, as I deepened into bringing my spiritual practices to my parenting and also seeing my children as these amazing these people I love so much, but also these amazing mirrors that bring up you know, and show me all of my stuff, all of my own childhood stuff, all of my, you know, it's, it's an enormous healing path. If, if you can keep the, the soul in it, you know, if you can keep your presence with you just about enough, if you can, if you can ask for help, if you can get deeply supported through, through healing what comes up in your parenting rather than just kind of going with the current conditioning that you, that exists in you then it's this profound and really exacting spiritual path. You know, it's the ultimate monastery life in a way. <laughs> yes, yes. I can hear that in um, your words and in your voice. It's just astounding that I've connected with you because these are questions I've been asking of myself because I do my meditation mm. every day mm. and mothers tend to talk to your routine, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And I have been worrying about it. So this is speaking directly to all of my worries. And I'm sure there are listeners there who are wondering if this is possible. I'd love to uh, ask you, uh, I believe you conducted a w the workshop with your mom, Evie Pryor, in an interview with her, which I loved, by the way. You mentioned becoming a parent is as much an opportunity for us to be loved as it is for us to love and care. Could you elaborate on that in the light of what you've just mentioned? Yeah, I mean, I think I learned very early on. I think I learned the hard way in a way. I, I thought I could just pour my love into my daughter. She was my firstborn child. I thought, right, I'm just going to give her everything. I'm going to give her everything I didn't get. I'm going to give her everything I, I now know from my spiritual kind of deepenings. And I'm going to just like pour my love into her. And that kind of lasted for a little while. <laughs> And then, and then at some point, of course, I know this now, but at the time I was a little bit confused. At some point I really burned out mm. because I was just giving, 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 giving and giving everything away. Like I didn't take time for myself. I wasn't in the receiving mode. And so I, I thought I could just give endlessly. And, you know, on one, on one level at the beginning, quite honestly, that is just what you have to do. <laughs> like the truth is when you have a tiny little baby in your arms, you're learning the ropes, you're figuring out how to create a family. It's deeply, deeply selfless work. But at some point, you know, and I believe we can do this right from the start, actually, at some point we need to learn how to take care of ourselves while we take care of our children. And that actually the, the increased awareness of that that has come to me through parenting has increased my, my need to find ways to feel more loved and cherished and cared for, not only by the, the, the world and my relationships around me, but also, you know, by my practices and, and directly, you know, by the divine, you know, by whatever words you want to give the, the source of love that, that, we, that is our true identity you know, how do I come into relationship with that voice? And, you know, for me, for example, you know, I began to write and writing became this absolutely vital practice in my life to receive this loving voice. So I would start off writing, this is what's going on and I'm feeling this and da, 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 da. And this, this incredible 
um, wave of love would come through me and and I would end up writing what I most needed to hear or learn or receive in that moment. And and that's just one of the ways I feel that I have needed to deepen into those those types of practices so that so that you know I'm not just teaching my children this is how loved you are. I'm also teaching them and this is this is what it is to love someone. You must also be in receipt of love. You must also be caring for yourself, mm. you know, and in direct in direct contact with love, you know. So that that's what it's really taught me as I as I've gone along. And and it's what I'm still learning, you know. I think it's important to respect yourself and to see your children as your guides that have not only come to teach you how to love in that selfless way, but also to love yourself in that selfless way. Mm-hmm. This brings me to, you know, one of the topics that was mentioned on the page to your workshop, which was how relying on inner guidance is more important than focusing on our children's behavior. This is such intimate work with the individual themselves. I'd really like to understand this more. Yeah. I mean, that is the big question. <laughs> you know, in, in one in one sense, it's like um, you know, there's that there's that view of children of like they're kind of, you know, empty buckets and we need to fill them. Mm. You know, and and it's it's in my experience it's the opposite is true. You know, they're they're overflowing with with wisdom and alignment and centeredness, actually, if they're allowed to be children and if they're allowed to flourish. Um, according to their own nature it you know one thing a, a metaphor that I like to use for example <clears throat> is that you know as the parent we're kind of like a gardener and I I don't know about you but you know I'm not that good at gardening but I but I've learned a few things about it which is that one of them is that you know if you plant a if you plant a bulb that's meant to be a tulip you can't then sit around you know all winter hoping that in the spring uh, a rose bush is going to appear you know and yet with, you know, we know it's going to be a tulip, right? Because it's, that's what's in its, that's what's in its essence down there under the ground. That's what's going to come up. And yet with parenting, we spend so much of our energy, I think, in the modern world, trying to change our children rather than work with who they are. And, and one of the most profound ways that I know to allow them to be themselves um, and to keep the back, you know, there's also boundaries and there's also it's a massive topic. Of course, it's, it's not just, you know, people see conscious parenting sometimes, I think, wrongly as something very free-flowing and everyone does whatever they like. It's, that's not true at all. Children need really clear boundaries. But the point is that I can set those boundaries and I can help them feel safe and I can allow them to be themselves and allow them to stay as who they are by managing myself. You know, whereas a lot of the parenting books these days that I've looked at and, you know, in my research, it's all about how to manage the child's behavior, how to make them behave, how to get them into a routine before they're ready, all this kind of stuff. When actually, you know, my interest is getting in tune with myself, healing my own childhood so that I'm not just constantly throwing my own conditioning at my children, my own rules that kind of, if I question them, what even is that rule? Like, where's that come from? And actually, getting more in tune with this loving voice inside me that actually knows the way and knows who they are and knows how to navigate things really wisely and really well. The problem comes, I get all in my, my stuff, 
then my superego comes in and I compare myself and I do all the crazy stuff that everybody else does as parents. And I start to, I start to um, get away from what's really true for us as a family and for me as a parent and for my children. And so I guess what I'm more interested in is this kind of coming home to ourselves, you know, having, having enough support, for example, having therapeutic support, you know, taking our stuff to places, saying to somebody in your life, like, my God, I'm finding myself so angry about this. And I, I know that's not the truth. I know that's something from my past. Can you help me? And being in those types of spaces rather than just this constant thing of I'm right because I'm the parent and you do what I say, end of the story kind of thing. So it's, 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 it's a whole learning, but it's a whole way of coming into our presence, coming into our connection with our children and finding that actually many of the answers we seek are, are within and are there for us um, in, this, in this deeper place, you know, beyond our conditioning. Wow. Okay. There's so many things that I want to just um, ask you about because you're the perfect person for anybody out there that's uh, going through uh, what any parent goes through, really, and a mother goes through particularly. Tell me a little more about inner conditioning because as far as I can see and what I've seen um, from my sisters as mothers and my own mother and my extended family, I grew up in a joint family, is that inner conditioning is almost treated like a little jewel that you give your children. Mm. Um, I also feel that when parents stamp their own conditioning onto us, in a lot of ways they're trying to protect us Mm-hmm. from people outsiders and at the same time from society as they know it and have grown up in mm-hmm. you know there's a fine line there between making your child just like you and protecting your child isn't there mm-hmm. and you then spoke about the super ego yeah it seems to me that the superego is sort of in charge of this decision-making that goes on inside each of us, you know. What is going to be best for this child? What is going to be safe for this child? But at the same time, it's also about what is going to be best for us as a family? How are we going to seem the best? How are we going to um, be seen as a safe and secure environment? Mm-hmm. You know, how my kids going to seem to their friends. Mm-hmm. It's it's just all sort of mixed up in there, isn't it? With the super ego. Yeah. And I mean, this is where for me personally, um, the, uh, another system that I, um, I rely on moment to moment is the Enneagram. I don't know if you know about the Enneagram. I do. Yes. But please do tell us about it. So the Enneagram is you know, um, a very, very beautiful system when it's used properly and the way we learn it with the teachers we are, are learning with. Um, it's very beautiful. It's about your essence. Your essence has everything uh, available. We already have what we need. We already know, you know, we are enough as we are. That is the, the deepest truth of us. And the Enneagram shows us all the ways we get stuck in our thinking, in our rules, in our conditioning, in what we picked up from our childhood. Because remember that in a family, you know, you may have two parents who, who, I don't know, get divorced and then something happens and then these various traumas occur. 
each child from that family, depending on who they are inside and what their orientation is, will experience that family entirely differently. I come across this so many times that you have the same upbringing and everybody has a whole different story about it. And um, so the Enneagram is really about understanding how we, what we do with what life gives us. And then it becomes extremely important in parenting because we then get to see like, oh, I'm a, for example, what you were just sharing then was something that an image type there, you know, points two, three and four on this system are image types, for example. And for image types, it's, it's really painful if your children, for example, have a tantrum in a shop, you know, or if your, if your children are, you know, are just not behaving the way you need them to behave. I had an amazing conversation with a friend one time. She is, Enneagram wise, she is very much an image type. She wants to do things in a beautiful way and have everything look lovely. And she just wants things to be um, smooth and great. And her son is very, very different to her. And he's much more interested in like, he focuses on one thing at a time. That's what he does. He's not very sociable. And she was taken to him to these, um, to these groups where all the other children seem to be doing what she would like her child to do. They were all socializing and being, you know, sharing the toys. And he was in the corner just hammering this piece of wood for like the whole time. <laughs> and she came away and she said, my God, I was so mortified. I felt like you know, what's going on with him? Who is he? Have I, have I done something wrong? He wasn't making any friends. And through just a little bit of inquiry into the Enneagram, we were able to get very quickly to this place where her need of him is completely different to his need in the world. Mm -hmm. And so she's seeing things completely through, again, through her conditioning, through what she sees as, as a successful human being. Actually, he was doing the most appropriate thing with a whole room of new people with his temperament, with his, you know, I said to her, you have instilled in him such trust that he can go with what he really needs, that he went and did in the corner what he really needed to cope with so many people, because for him, it would have been totally draining and overwhelming to go straight into that group. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So that, that's, that's like just one example of where understanding our, it's like the lens we have on our perception once we get to see what that's made of, we get to love the other person as they are. It's like the love can flow. You know, my children, my children are extremely different. They need extremely different things. And if I was expecting them both to be one way, you know, and I didn't know my own tendencies and my own kind of desire for certain things, if I didn't know those things, I wouldn't be able to put them aside and choose really seeing them and really being with them and really seeing myself and being with myself. I wouldn't be able to choose that if I couldn't see my particular ways of getting away from that, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I mean, I have a brother and a sister and the way the three of us react to life is very, very different. Mm -hmm. And the way the three of us react to my, to our own parents and things that have happened to mm -hmm. our life, the way they've affected us are just completely different. Mm -hmm. And I think the one thing that having a spiritual path has helped us do is have acceptance and awareness for each other's journeys mm. rather than judgment. There was a lot of confusion to begin with. But then, like you said, we all react in the way that is best for us and we have to be able to trust that. Because if we don't, then you sort of get into this 
a zone of violence and confusion and mistrust and then that's not very healthy as a family but um no the enneagram is something i'm very very interested in and i'd like to learn more about and i've mm-hmm. been actually ha- i haven't had the time to seek out um a teacher and a practitioner mm-hmm. i know i know of a few people in london but i haven't had the opportunity but i will as soon as i have some time it would be a good point for people listening to know how to connect with the side of themselves you know we've talked about inner guidance we've talked about seeing parenting as an opportunity to be loved and parenting as a spiritual path how does someone who hasn't had a spiritual past get in touch with this what's the simplest way we could do that well i mean it's a great question and at the same time i would say that usually it's like you know life finds a way to reach you mm. it's my experience um i mean i met my first um who i would class as spiritual teachers through my mom my mom started doing some trainings with them and i began to connect with them and then i went and did work with them and one thing led to another i ended up doing their trainings for many years and doing a lot of um of my healing work with them through my 20s i feel like that very much came to me and i think the thing to do is just take the first step with somebody else who you really trust to name I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be in this anymore. Most people will not go towards change. You know, parenting as a spiritual path sounds really lovely. It's not. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really challenging. You can't just go, you can't just kind of, I actually think the other way is more painful. Your, um, your conditioning, you need a reason for that. You know, nobody comes to our workshops or our spaces or reads our stuff. You know, this is me, my husband and I who, who teach all sorts of things like this nobody comes um you know just because they fancied it because they didn't have anything better to do that weekend you know we come because there's a there's a deep question there's a deep desire there's an inquiry we 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 come into and maybe that's because something painful happens and just at the right moment you you hear an interview like this where you realize there are spaces where you can be received in your pain and your pain can become you know a catalyst for or deeper growth and knowing yourself more, more fully and, and truthfully, maybe that's what happens. Or maybe, you know, you have just the right conversation with somebody at just the right time and they say, hey, I'm going to this, this training course on the weekend. You know, it's, it's about changing my mind about my life and about being happier. Would you like to come? You know, it's like, but it's, it's first of all opening up to the fact that you even have a desire to to change the blueprint that's been passed down to you for generations in your family because i believe that that's what parenting actually is you know we're bridging our past with with the future as in we're standing at the point where our family past meets the possibility of a different future and you know there are a few people in the world who maybe don't need to do that because they have the ideal upbringing and they're passing on only goodness and that's all great um, I haven't come across that many times, no, but um, no. So, so really, our work is to stand in our constellation and be very aware of the fact that we bring with us, you know, all, all of the all of the baggage from not only our parents but our grandparents. You know, we 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 lived in our grandmother's wombs physically. Mm. You know, we we were actually in there, <laughs> and when you begin to really realize that and realize that the amount of trauma that goes on in these systems mm. is that at some point what we have to wake up and say i don't want to keep passing this on to my children in the form of whatever conditioning i'm imposing on them you know i don't 
I don't want to be that person anymore. So, I mean, yeah, it's a really good question. And I, but I would say that the willingness is the biggest key, you know, the, the, the desire to change something. And I think, I think for me personally, when I do take on inner work and mm-hmm. spiritual work, for me in life, in material life, it translates into confidence and empowerment, especially in situations when I'm really vulnerable, when, you know, I don't want to turn to the system that my parents have uh, passed mm-hmm. on to me. And I don't want to turn to the system that society is trying to tell me to turn to or that my ego is telling me to turn to. Mm-hmm. As you said, there's always a catalyst. There's a painful situation. and if we're not aware and we don't catch it, we could be mirroring back things that don't even belong to us, you know, and find ourselves in a little hole that then, oh God, it takes years to dig yourself out of. Um, But this is all such great stuff. So I want to thank you (laughs) mid-interview. It's fantastic. I'm really enjoying this chat. Getting on to the practical side of things, and mm-hmm. I know parents out there listening are probably thinking, oh my God, I'm so sleep deprived. How do I even begin to think of this stuff? You know, it's very practical. It happens to everyone. And uh, would you like to make a comment on that? You know, parenting is just extreme territory. Because, yeah. you know, even when you think like, okay, everyone's kind of sorted, they've kind of got to a certain age, and finally getting some night's sleep, somebody will get like a vomiting bug and then you're up for three nights in a row and you find yourself kind of, you know, being blown around by life. And that, that is what parenting is. I mean, I'm watching my sister-in-law parent my nephews right now and they're tiny, you know, they're three and one. And, you know, the fact is she's pretty exhausted and, you know, she is, um, she, uh, yeah, she has to ask for a lot of help. And the good thing is, is that she has people around her who she can ask for help from. And I would say that for me, the biggest piece um, of <laughs> the biggest learning for me in parenting has been to really learn to do that with grace. Like to really say, actually, hey, I'm struggling. My own childhood stuff is coming up right now. I'm completely exhausted. Everyone's driving me crazy. I just need to go for a walk. How, how can I make that happen? How can I claim that time for myself that actually is the most profound gift I can give to everyone around me because once I become more centered and I fill myself up then I can come back to my life with more with more presence and more ease and more patience or whatever I mean my uh, my joke with um, my husband is is that someone says you know just this isn't so much anymore but it was when they were younger it's like oh we need some milk from the corner shop <laughs> and then we would say oh it's okay I'll go and then he'd say, no, no, it's fine. I, I, I will do it for you. You know, because it was this joke of like, who was going to just kind of have the space. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I would say, and I'd come back and he'd go, and I literally takes 10 minutes to do the whole thing. And I'd come back and he said, how are you? And I was like, wow, well, that was, that was my spa day. You know, today was, that was my spa day because actually life is very full right now. And all I managed was 10 minutes, but I did it consciously. I, I, I walked out, I, I noticed my feet on the floor, I took in the trees, I stopped and I kind of smelled the rose maybe, um, which is what I like to do. Or I did something that filled me up. I maybe got into conversation with the, you know, another adult in the shop. And I was like, oh, so what kind of a day are you having? And I kind of reconnected with, with kind of normal life before I went back in. And 
that took me 10 minutes, but it, it really saved me. Or sometimes for me, it's lying down. I know this sounds crazy, but I had this big breakthrough where when I was tired, I would think, oh my God, I've got to fight against this. Mm. But, but what I would do is I would lie down and I would say to the children, mommy needs to lie down, you know, for a little while. And you can play near me. You can be right next to me. You can even sit on my lap. doesn't matter. But I need to rest my body for a moment. Mm. Or maybe just read something and have a cup of tea. And getting them used to just even like stretching them out minute by minute. Like, I need to do this for myself. Like, taking that space. And, you know, I say all of this in the context of, for many of us in certain stages of parenting, we just don't have the space. Like, there isn't the space. But we have to just kind of create little tiny pockets. Like, for example, I love to, I love to chant. And I learn, I learn short chants because what happens is then I began to hum them and I begin to sing them while I'm, while I'm making the dinner or while I'm doing the school run or while I'm doing things. And what I love about that is it's like, it's a meditation in motion. So I don't have to stop. I don't have to schedule an hour to be in my own room away from everyone to do that. I can bring my presence. I can bring my, um, that realigning force for me is what I experience when I chant. I can bring that to to chopping the carrots or whatever's happening, you know? And then, and then interestingly, recently the children have just started to sing them in full. They can sing these really long chants, you know, it's not even in their language and they can just sing them because, and it makes me realize I do it much, much more than I, than I even am conscious of these days. You know, those kinds of things that I developed along the way where I still get to express myself as a soulful, spiritual, wild woman while I'm, you know, while I'm, scrubbing things and picking cheese up off the sofa and all that kind of stuff you know yeah I mean you know this is just mirroring what my mom did with us so she would have she had a little temple space in her bedroom Mm -hmm. I remember she was doing the Rudra mantra Triambakam mantra Mm -hmm. it's from the Rig Veda and it's a it's it's dedicated to Lord Shiva and I remember, like, I couldn't sleep at night. I was really tiny. And I went mm. and uh, she just made me uh, put my head on her lap. And she would just chant this mantra yeah. late at night when we were all meant to be asleep. Obviously, I wasn't. Yeah. And I remember I knew it. I knew it. Like, I don't know if it was the next day or in that week, but I knew it. And that's how I learned it. Mm. And it's such a nice memory for me as well, you know. Yeah. Well, oh, that's brilliant. I love everything that you're talking about, by the way. Um, but we have, we, we, I don't want to, you know, I want to get through these questions. So I do want to ask you this question about ego suspension and parenting, especially right at the start. Mm-hmm. I do feel post-birth, whether you're a spiritual mom, a normal mom, whatever you are, you do forget all of that mm-hmm. uh, pain, and those nine months of pregnancy where you go through all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that is a complete union with the soul that allows the strength that we have, that we, that we gain in that moment to suspend our egos temporarily. And I wanted to ask you about that, um, <laughs> given all your knowledge. What do you think about that? I'm just curious. So, I mean, first of all, I think I've sort of come into a relationship with my ego where I'm not trying to cut it off or, 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 or make it wrong. Like, so I feel like it's really important for me personally to say that so that I don't see it as like, I'm either doing really well because I'm feeling really soulful or I'm doing really badly because my ego's 
because the ego is like it exists to exist for a reason you know it, it, it came about for a reason and so and actually the ego although we talk about it being like a separate state as opposed to maybe like a, a unit you know like you're talking about union versus separation or whatever actually it's it's weirdly it's like it's that separation that allows us to have these experiences it's like it's 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 such a it's such a fine balance i mean you know much of my life is about this inquiry it's not something that we can cover in this interview yeah. Yeah. but the point is is that is that yes in those moments after birth i think what happens is 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 a dissolution of the grip that maybe the ego has on your experience so for me it was like this completely unbelievable miracle that i was suddenly holding this child in my in my arms this baby this this being who i didn't really believe existed if i'm honest i'm like no this can't be just because my tummy's out there just cannot possibly even though i'd seen it you know hundreds of times with other people somehow it didn't it didn't kind of compute that there was really a soul i mean for me though i would say that um personally i i had the experience very strongly of my children before they were even conceived i i was in relationship with them on a soul level that i didn't choose i didn't i didn't try and cultivate that it was just so strong so for me when i met them it was like oh yeah of course it's you and here's the body you've chosen it was it was so beautiful and and yet you know i say this knowing that many people i know didn't feel that you know many people i know didn't have that experience they were they were too tired they were quite traumatized by the type of birth they'd have maybe you know and so there's also the other side of this is that there's pressure to feel that sometimes and 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 so i would say that yes there's definitely an expansion there's definitely a massive opening in it and in a way it's like you keep coming back to that love as you go through your parenting you know you keep coming back to i remember when i was going through quite a hard stage when they were really little and i was just quite kind of ragged and tired and for example i would when they were asleep i would go and lie down next to them and just really be with them in their sleep and really connect with them in a more soulful way at the end of the day because in the day you just there was so much going on you know and it was like I was I think now looking back I was recreating those spaces when I could just go direct with them or I could go from my essence to their essence you know mm. so I would I would say that it, it it's not just a one-off moment but it is the initial crack that we need maybe to sustain us and remind us why we're doing this because honestly you know it's a pretty hard job (laughs) and so we need you know we need these sustaining connecting moments to to carry us through yeah so so yes i i totally agree with you and 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 i think i think there's complexities to it is the answer (laughs) okay well no thank you for speaking on that um now one question dedicated to all the daddies out there yeah (laughs) <laughs> can we talk a bit about soul-led opportunities for men please are they the same are the techniques the same as well so i think the most useful useful thing that i can tell you is that between me and my husband we would have very conscious talks about what do our children need right now and can we get our own needs out of the way so that we can be with what they actually need. And I'm talking about developmental needs, right? So child development is another area of massive interest for me where we actually see that between the ages of naught to seven, for example, that's a very, very clear age where children are purely in their, in their physical development. 
and they need to play and they need to dig and they need to be in nature and they need to be outside. That's why my children go to a Steiner school because Steiner schools actually understand this stuff and it's really important. You allow the child to really be the child. The other aspect of that is the child is still very much in the mother's energy system. Mm. So really what we decided very early on from the beginning is my husband had to work through some feelings because he was like, hey, I really want them to want me as much as they want you. Like, of course, right? Of course, if he's really honest, he would have loved to be the one that they could really snuggle into when they fell over or whatever. Yeah. The fact is, is that because he allowed them access to me and he, of course, he was still with them and he was still supporting them and carrying them and singing to them. And of course, he did all of those things. But because energetically he acknowledged their need for mother as much as possible, later on, that the trust that that developed, I feel, between him and, and our children is they they adore him and he's been completely hands-on. He's been completely amazing with them. But he's had to bide his time, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, we really wanted them to breastfeed. We really wanted to do that. And he doesn't have breasts. Like, no. it's, it's, natural. <laughs> it's, it's physiological. He doesn't have them. It's not yeah. his job, you know. And in other times and in other cultures, it would be very clear-cut. The role would be very clear-cut. In modern times in the West, you know, we talk about we want everything to be equal both ways. And I think, I think dads can get a little bit isolated, a little bit left out. You know, your own stuff comes up because suddenly this, this woman, this delicious woman who you live with, is suddenly giving her all her energy to your children. Yeah. And that can bring up, you know, there's honesty required there. That can bring up really big stuff for your, for your inner child, for your past selves, whatever you want to call that. that. That can often be a source of really, really painful stuff if you're not looking at that consciously. But what I would say is that the child needs lots of mother and then they need lots of dad later on so there's yeah. um, there's a really amazing uh, author actually that, that men listening to might dads listening might be interested in is steve bidolf and steve bidolf writes about these stages he writes about you know parenting um children to these different stages and you know he's a, he's a dad and he talks about all of this and he talks about when that need comes more around that age of like six seven where the children need to be it's like the dad is then this incredible doorway to the world he's like the kind of the bridge into the world you know the mother is like if you call the mother a sort of extended womb like the, the safe arms to come back to then the father is the one who says right now you're ready to take some real steps into whatever you're going to be doing and now now this is more more my realm and you know my son will often wake up in the morning and just come straight to my husband and wake him up he's like dad we've got to go and play with my lego you know we've got this whole game set up come on and it's like he doesn't want me anymore in the same way but he's still, I mean, he's still, he still comes to me like much more for, I would say for, for comfort or when he's unwell, he'll, he'll generally tend to want me. But, but it, the point is, is that the love is, the love is the same, but the role has to change as you go along, you know, and it has to um, be, be really respectful of the child's, where the child is and what they really truly need. And also obviously your, your system. So, you know, some people go back to work. You know, some, some mothers need to go back to work very early and the dad takes over. That's a completely different story. I mean, obviously, you know, we can't go into specifics, but, but generally, like that generosity of, of dads to what kind of weight, you know, that, that's, that's, that's our experience. And I can only really talk from our experience. No, of course. And I, mm. I do want to just quickly comment on that and say, you know, all of this, all of the ideas we're discussing, obviously, things that we have experienced and are from our world there are so many possibilities out there exactly exactly 
So every possibility is perfect. And um, it just, I, from everything you're saying, it just makes me so grateful for family and the family set up, even though it's so complicated and so draining and can get mm-hmm. so tiring. I think, you know, while the mom is nurturing the babies as they're growing up until they need the dad, the dad can nurture the mom. And it is set up for all this beautiful dependency in a healthy manner. Mm-hmm. It's just about us being aware that that's a possibility. So, Well, I think that's it. And I think, you know, it used to be the case that the dad would be out hunting for beasts to feed, to literally feed the mother so that she could produce milk for the child. But, but equally, the woman would be at home with other women, with other adults who also had children. And so I think one of the big painful things that can happen, for example, in the modern world is that, you know, the dad isn't hunting a beast. He's sitting in an office all day and the mother is alone. I know. So it's very complicated. These, this know. is what I mean about that the, 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 there, need, there need to be support structures where we find other women. We find, you know, we maybe move closer to members of our family. We, we create what, what human beings need. Like we're creatures on one level. We're creatures and we need certain things. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, we're finding our way as human beings and we're just, we're just doing our best and that's all we can ever do. And I, you know, just to be so clear about everything I share, you know, I can only ever share what's in, in my experience or the experience of those close to me. And I always, always like to, to add that, you know, like no, nobody's life is, um, is a formula that can be kind of solved. Of course, everybody has such different factors in the mix. And the one, the one thing that you could do wrong from this interview is to allow your superego to get hold of anything you or I said and to make yourself wrong in some way, to make yourself less than, to think that you're not doing it right or that maybe, you know, you had children a long time ago and you didn't do it that way or whatever. It's like just, just you know, having this as an invitation into finding your own truth. You know, that's what we're really talking about is finding your own truth. It's about encouraging authenticity and, you know, so glad you spoke to that because this is just a discussion um, two people are having and draw what you will from it and life in your own way. And that's why the show is called Date Your Ego But Marry Your Soul because your ego is so important, but at the same time, your soul is going to give you the ultimate happiness that you want. So that's kind of like what the show is about. So thank you for speaking to that. I need, I always ask all of my guests, you know, away from your roles of mom, wife, daughter, and teacher. Mm-hmm. Holly, what is your self-care routine? My self-care routine? Well, gosh, many things. I mean, I, I am, because I'm at a stage now where my children are a little bit older, um, I do have a little bit more space when they're at school and things. Um, for me, personally, creative expression is huge. That's the thing that fills me up the most. So I've just found this really gorgeous local pottery studio and I go and I'm, I literally make like bowls and cups and I have my hand in the clay and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so happy. Like, it's just so joyful for me. And I, and I walk, I, I really need to spend time in nature. We spend quite a lot of time in, um, in the Highlands in Scotland, which is huge self-care for me, you know, to just be in that pure, pure nature where nature out natures us, you know. But in London, I would just tend to go for, you know, long walks in Richmond Park or whatever. And then also my, you know, my, my daily study of spiritual texts. And as I was saying earlier, my chanting and my, my embodied practices, you know, the, those are the things that really sustain me and keep me sane, really. 
Mm. Mm. I absolutely love working with clay. I always have a bit of clay at home. Oh, nice. And when I get stressed out, I just make whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so amazing. It's it's like such a generous material because it can it feels like it can absorb yes as well from you. It's very interesting. Yeah, I love it. I love it too. All right, well, before you leave us, please do tell us about your workshops and how anyone that's interested in connecting with everything that you've spoken of can reach you. Well, so, I mean, um, I guess one thing that we're doing, I'm just trying to think, I'm not so good on this practical stuff because I'm usually just just scrabbling about (laughs) trying to figure everything out. So let me just think about that. So in October, I know we're doing a workshop in Fintorn. My husband and I are doing a workshop about um, love and relationships mm-hmm. that can be found. All of this can actually be found more on my husband's website because we, we do this stuff together and um, I'm not organized enough to have it on mine. But so robertholden.org is a really good place to go for our events. And actually, we also have an Enneagram training coming up. So anybody who, who was, was grabbed by the Enneagram conversation, we have a three-day in November in London coming up. Um, and then really, you know, my way of connecting with people is through my writing. So my blog, you know, which is the main thing, um, is where I, where I share what's real for me. And I have many, many of my blogs up there. I, I, it's mainly all on Facebook. And if anyone has uh, connected with anything that we've been talking of and they're a bit shy, they can email you. We just want to Yes, they can just actually message me through my blog. So Holly Holden, oh. Notes on Living and Loving. And I do pick up those messages kind of you know, pretty regularly. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Holly. Thank you for coming on the show. And- oh, thank you for a great conversation. I just find these conversations so centering, you know, for, for everyone. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Nobody's life is a formula. Loved that line amongst so many insightful thoughts shared by Holly. A very useful takeaway for me was also the role that the superego begins to play for each of us once we become parents. Why not become conscious of the grip it can have on us and let our awareness of it allow us to keep it at bay? This way we could keep our souls more in the process of parenting rather than our egos. Burnout is a part of it. But if we see parenting as an opportunity to love and nurture all who are involved in the process, I think We could just manage to date our ego, but marry a soul, even as parents. Leaving you with a little more love for life. This is your host, Serafina, signing off.